on the politics show this week. Teachers cannot teach when there is no heating, no lighting in their classrooms. And I ask the right honourable gentleman, whose fault is that? A new film about possibly the most divisive politician we've ever had. The Iron Lady, a new film about Margaret Thatcher, will hit UK screens on January the 6th. We'll be talking to Zam Brooks, a columnist and associate editor of The Guardian. But first, this week's main headlines. It's been announced this morning that UK unemployment has reached a 17-year high of 2.64 million in the three months to October. The number of people who are out of work rose by 128,000 in the period, while youth unemployment, which covers 16 to 24-year-olds, hit its highest level since 1992, by passing the 1.027 million mark. The amount of people out of work and claiming job seekers' allowance rose by 3,000 to 1.6 million in November. Chris Grayling is the Conservative Employment Minister. There's certainly a, a, an unemployment challenge for us. Nobody doubts that. Uh, my view is that any level of unemployment is too high, so we've got a big job on our hands. But what I do want to do is send out a message that there's at least been some signs of stabilisation over the last month. This is not the level of bad news we've seen in the last two or three months. But, of course, we've got to work doubly hard to make sure we create an environment in difficult international economic circumstances where we've got a British economy that's growing. That's why, in the autumn statement, we announced measures to bring forward infrastructure projects. It's why we've introduced measures to get the house building industry moving again. Uh, and we'll take all steps we sensibly can to try and make sure that our economy is growing and we're creating jobs. The German Chancellor Angela Merkel has told German MPs that the UK will remain a strong EU partner despite its decision not to join up to a EU summit deal. Addressing the Bundestag, she said she very much regretted that the UK Prime Minister David Cameron had been unable to join us on the path to fiscal union. I'm saying this quite clearly here. I regretted very much that Great Britain has not been able to join us on this journey. And I regretted very much that 20 years ago Great Britain decided against the euro. It is beyond any doubt that Great Britain will remain a very secure partner in the European Union. Police in Belgium have found the body of a woman in the shed belonging to Nordine Amrani, a gunman who went on a rampage in the centre of Liege on Tuesday. He launched his attack with guns and hand grenades in a busy marketplace, killing himself and three others. Around 125 people were wounded, five of whom are in intensive care. The woman was found in the shed with a bullet wound to the head, surrounded by two weapons and a stockpile of ammunition. Officials say the shed was used by Amrani to grow cannabis. The ex-News of the World editor says the full force of the law should be used against anyone who acted in an illegal way at the paper. Colin Myler told the Leviton Inquiry into media ethics he did not recognise a witness account of hacking phones and defrauding expenses. Earlier, a former News of the World lawyer denied a culture of cover-up had existed. Last month, Paul McMullen, the paper's ex-deputy features editor, told the hearing that phone hacking was in the public interest claimed celebrities often loved being chased by journalists and argued that privacy is for pedos. A parliamentary committee on Tuesday published a sequence of emails which raised questions about the story News Corporation's James Murdoch told to House of Commons legislators about what he knew about phone hacking allegations involving the now defunct News of the World and when he knew it. 
In an email sequence dated Saturday, June 7, 2008, James Murdoch was advised by Colin Myler, then News of the World editor, that the paper's legal position regarding a legal threat from professional soccer union executive Gordon Taylor was as bad as we feared. One of the most divisive figures in British politics, Margaret Thatcher, is a subject of a new film starring Meryl Streep. Some critics have called the film sympathetic, but others have praised the film's portrayal of the former Prime Minister. The film has had a December release in the US, making it eligible for next year's Oscars, where Meryl Streep is expected to pick up the Best Actress gong. Before we talk to Zan Brooks from The Guardian, here are a few clips from the film. I will never be one of those women who stay silent on the arm of her husband. One's life must matter, Dennis. That's why I want to marry you, my dear. Mrs. Thatcher, one simply has to make you look and sound like the leader that you could be. No matter how I've tried, I know I will never be truly one of them. Someone must say the unsayable. Methinks the lady that screech too much! <laughs> If you want to change this party, lead it. Watch your thoughts so they become words. If you want to change the country, lead it. Watch your words so they become actions. This is it. Steady the buffs, old girl. Watch your actions so they become your character. Prime Minister. Shoulders back, tubbies in. And watch your character for it becomes your destiny. <laughs> Ambition and the rest of us, me, the children, we can all go to hell. The Falkland Islands belong to Britain, and I want them back. With all due respect, when one has been to war, with all due respect, sir, I have done battle every single day of my life. She heads the most hated government this country has known. This is the best you can do. I had better do your job as well as everyone else's. Best be careful not to test one's colleagues' loyalty too far. Our party and our country need a new leader. The rules make it possible to depose a sitting prime minister. Sorry, in the town now. Just one window. Your problem is that you haven't got the courage for this fight. Shall we join the ladies? Well, I'm now joined by Zan Brooks, an associate editor of The Guardian. Zan, thank you very much for joining us. Um, first off, did you enjoy the film? Yeah, I did enjoy it and then felt um, deeply worried about myself for enjoying it. Um, In what way? Well, because, because I grew up under Thatcherism. Um, and for me, at that time, she represented all that was bad, and not even just bad, but that was actively frightening to, to a kid. You know, the, the country that we were living in, uh, the, the policies that were being foisted upon us, whether that was, you know, the deregulation of the financial sector, mass privatization of state-owned companies, rising unemployment, all of those things were the great storm clouds um, of my youth. So it was a little bit strange to go and see this very jaunty, affectionate portrait of this wonderfully colourful, charismatic, strong woman um, overturning the barricades of privilege and, and sexism. But you say, you say it was very jaunty and things like that, but one of the um, key criticisms of the film is that it's 
mainly based in the sort of the present day now with the sort of aging suffering with dementia mrs thatcher yeah from that image the film opens with um, you see her going out to buy some milk having escaped from her security show so surely that doesn't you do painter as that you do and it bookends itself in the present day or certainly the the recent present it's uh, i think it's against the backdrop of the 2005 terrorist attacks mm. which triggers flashback to the brighton bombing of, of 1984 so yes you're right you do have this portrait of the legend in repose, the, the, the great woman slightly fallen on hard time. She's missing Dennis. She's on the kind of cusp of outright dementia, um, which has led to accusations of uh, insensitivity and, and crassness. Um, whereas in actual fact, that's all grist to the mill. It all it gets us behind Thatcher even more because who could take issue with a frail old woman who's missing her husband? And from there, we flash back to the glory days, the pomp um, of her prime. But one of the things, um, one of the people that was in the screening I went to was Simon Heffer, and he said that he felt that Thatcher had now been dehumanised. She was now game for um, abuse left, right, and centre. You see there are um, various Facebook groups and websites saying she's not dead yet and things like that that will obviously yeah. b- release balloons and have a big fanfare when she does die. So surely do you not think that it required that to humanise her again? Possibly. Um, the, the obvious point to make is that, that what, what Heffer would call the dehumanisation of Thatcher began in 1979, um, I think. I think that there was, there was a, a, a visceral, vitriolic hatred of Thatcher um, all the way through her premiership. Um, so, yes, Even that's during the true. Falklands? I think, I think the Falklands was, was certainly an upturn, and certainly there was the, the patriotic spirit, and that's what uh, assured her of winning the 83 election, whereas, you know, a year before, she'd been seen to be pretty much dead in the water. Um, so, yeah, there, there was certainly that. And, of course, uh, this, wasn't, this visceral hatred didn't run across the whole country. It was, it was, but it was maybe kind of a good 48, 49, possibly 50% of the country at the time. So, yeah, by all means, humanise her. By all means, show her in all of her facets and show what made her such a charismatic, significant figure. But you've also got to show the context. You've also got to show the human cost of her policies. And, and you I, don't think it does show I don't think it does show it. I think they, that, had, they had some horrible things, lots of gasps and things in the audience when they showed pictures of um, right, the poll tax rights things with people getting trampled by horses and people's heads sort of bleeding. Yeah, they have a bit the of floor. archive footage in there. Mm. Um, I thought I felt that the descent was was kept on rations. You have a sort of blustering Michael Foote who's who's clearly ill-equipped to deal with her at, at PMQs. You have archive footage of the the poll tax rights, and you have a, a scene where she's in the ministerial car and the crowd is slapping at the window saying you're a monster. But if you have these people blowing in from from nowhere, then. The average viewer is just going to think, who are these horrible people banging on the car and calling this lovely but woman a monster? But is the average viewer not going to be sort of like you? If not, if they haven't lived through it, they'll yeah. certainly know about it. So surely it does have a context. Well, it, you know, I think it's the film's responsibility to, um, if you're going to humanise Thatcher, humanise the people who didn't like Thatcher and who felt oppressed by Thatcherism. I don't think the film necessarily does that. Well, not, not even necessarily. I don't think it does that at all. Hmm. Well, Flidia Lloyd, the director, um, sort of brushes off comments that it's sympathetic. She says it's not about the politics, it's more about the person. You know, Meryl Streep says it's the female Leah, it's about the end game, not, it shouldn't really be concerned with the sort of the heyday, as you put it. I think if there's anything about Thatcher is that you cannot separate the person from the politics. She was possibly the ultimate political animal 
of the 20th century. Um, you cannot have Thatcher without Thatcherism. You cannot have her simply as strong woman taking on Westminster. But one of the, um, one of the sort of key clips that comes up a lot in the media is um, quite a, I thought it was quite a moving scene where they have her across the breakfast table with Dennis. Um, and that sort of very much... We can, we've got it here that we'll just play and then we'll okay. just talk about it afterwards. Milk's gone up. Mm. 49p a pint. Good grief. We'll have to economise. Suppose we could always sell the car. <laughs> or take in paying guests. <laughs> Goodness, there you are. <laughs> yes, here we are. Surely that very much um, separates her from the politics. Moments like moments like that, what do you think about that? <laughs> I don't buy it. Um, I'm sure. I mean, you know, isn't this the this is the terrible thing about people? Maybe, maybe all people that you can hate what they do, but if you put them in a room, you in a room with them, you're probably you're going to be polite if nothing else. You know, mm. I'm sure that if, as an angry teenager, I'd been escorted into a room where Thatcher was, I'd have lost all my nerve. I'd have been terrified. I'd have been horribly polite and accommodating. Um, mm. That's that's the thing about people is that they're not all bad. Of course, they're not all bad. Um, and yet, and yet, and yet, uh, the, the the lack of the 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 human aspect of the the, the fallout from her policies, um, I found was was the great lacuna of this film and it turns it into a greatest hits package you know, there's a lot of criticism of this film from Thatcher's Inner Circle who hadn't seen it mm. saying it was going to be a left wing fantasy that it was going to be a demolition job presumably on the understanding that it's made by the film industry and the film industry is full of kind of you know liberal Because Eve Pollard's quoted as saying um, she felt that Lydia Lloyd and Abby Morgan she said she felt like they wrote this against their will almost I'm not sure how necessarily she could come to that decision. I mean, I, I think Thatcher is one of the towering figures of her time. And I think that any filmmaker who's given a bite at a film about Thatcher isn't going to turn it down. What then becomes the issue is how you deal with it and how you deal with the basically the, the unstable nitroglycerin of Thatcherism. Mm. But um, you're quoted as saying in, in your piece in The Guardian about this, you said that um, it was Thatcher without the Thatchers, and you repeated that here earlier. Um, in what way do you think it's sort of separated from Thatcherism? Is it just the moments where you sort of see her as the frail old lady imagining her sort of dead husband and it sort of tempts to separate it? Like no, I, I have less of a problem with with those scenes. Um, I think it's very much a film from within the, the goldfish bowl. Uh, it's a film from within Westminster. Uh, almost more than that, it's, f it's a film from within Thatcher's head. It's, it's Thatcher as she saw herself, and I've no doubt that she saw her. I, no, I have no doubt that she, she believed entirely in everything that she was doing, and maybe there's something admirable about that. Because um, even it, people, you have like Shirley Williams who come out and say, I don't agree with them, but she was at the end of the day, you know, this kind of very... Um, Forthright person, Absolutely. she stuck to it. Yeah. There's a John Bishop quote about her that says that she was a tigress surrounded by hamsters, and this film very much follows that line. And now, you know, with with the benefit of hindsight, I can see that there's something attractive about that. And certainly, you compare 
Thatcher to, you know, the, the privileged milk sop in number 10 Downing Street at the moment, and she comes out of this very well. You think at least she was strong. She might have been a bit bonkers, and the film perhaps paints her as that. But um, can it be anything else than that? Can it be anything else in, in this kind of... Um, in the way the story is sort of built, can it be anything other than what she saw herself as in these flashbacks? Yeah, I think it can. I think that um, a a broader canvas uh, and more nuance would have helped. I think that all you needed was maybe a couple of two, three-minute scenes from the country um, to humanise the people who are banging on the windows or are fighting the police during the poll tax riots. Something like that would have balanced it. Um, what do you say of um, Meryl Streep's performance? It's it? a fantastic performance. I mm. mean, it's 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 a tremendous uh, bit of mimicry. Uh, you know, I grew up watching Thatcher pretty much every night on the TV, and she captures her mannerisms, her intonation, that strange way of speaking that was very much schooled by by image consultants and voice coaches, um, but had this gravitas and this power and was was like like a kind of bull barely being restrained and was about to kind of bolt. Um, She captures all that superbly. uh, And perhaps deservably, she's favourite for the Best Actress Oscar. I I worry that it's more a great piece of mimicry than a great performance, because I think with a great performance, you need that to be underpinned by a stronger script, and you need to have some sense of nuance and depth to it. Mm. But maybe that's not even the script's performance. Maybe that's Thatcher's performance. Maybe she was all that you saw in that she wasn't a woman who had much nuance and depth. She was just this force of nature. Um, so there's obviously a lot of Oscar talk around it, but how do you think Americans will take this view of the film? Because obviously it's been released there first, as opposed to in the UK. How do you think um, the American perspective of the film will differ from the British perspective of the film? Well, it certainly won't be as charged. You certainly won't have uh, people like me complaining about it. Um, I think that... Over in America, what they saw was the strong woman, and they weren't aware of much else. They certainly weren't aware of of much of the context of of Britain at the time, and certainly the Americans that would have gone over to Britain would have been reasonably wealthy and would have seen the the upside of Thatcherism. Mm. So I think this will play very, very well uh, in America. And and that presumably is is what they're targeting, and certainly in terms of Oscar votes, um, that's crucial. Because one of the um, criticisms that's been levelled at the film is that had this film been about someone in America like Ronald Reagan and mm-hmm. they'd done this kind of film about them, um, Americans would lash out. Whereas here it's sort of been kept... A lot of people, even from sort of the left-leaning print press, are quite. some of them are quite liking this film, even from sort of your publication. It's a very slick, um, enjoyable film. If... If... If, if, if you don't know um, the what's going on outside the door, mm. I guess. Um, and, yeah, presumably we'd react in the same way as Americans would if we had a, a biopic of Reagan. Or say even, you know, the recent W, uh, Oliver Stone's biography of, of George Bush. Um, that, that painted him as a sort of, you know, bumbling buffoon, um, and that was fine for, for British audiences, I guess. But, but perhaps over in the States, people think he wasn't a bumbling buffoon. He was an incredibly powerful man at the head of a rogue government. And obviously it's not just 
Margaret, um, Margaret Thatcher, Meryl Streep. See, they were coming in. Yeah, they're <laughs> blurring. Into, into, That's blurring the skill into of one. the actor. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Olivia Colman's performance and Jim Broadbent as the Dennis Thatcher of the film? Well, I think Olivia Colman is a great actor. She recently won uh, a Biffa, British Independent Film Award, for, I thought, a much better performance in a much better film called Tyrannosaur. Mm. Um, she is excellent as Carol Thatcher. Jim Broadbent is, you know, very shrewd casting. If you're going to... If you're going to sympathise with um, a man as, as as purely odious, I think, as Dennis, then get get you know Jim Broadbent to play him, and then suddenly he's he's the lovable ghost, isn't he? He's mm. dancing her around the living room, uh, and what a wonderful man! Significantly, Mark Thatcher is is shown to be purely angelic. The only scenes we see of him are like these mocked-up home movies where he's on the swing or playing on the beach. Mm. So you come away with that thinking, what a lovely, lovely son, as opposed to um, this is the guy who tried to spark a military coup in, in Africa. And is, but is that not down to the, the film's perspective? It is Margaret Thatcher's mind. Yes, it is. It is. Um, but, but surely... <laughs> Surely we don't have to, to to take Margaret Thatcher's view of Margaret Thatcher as the official line. Mm. Um, you said you, you said uh, Olivia Colman was very good in this film, but when she first came on as um, Carol Thatcher, and she has that big nose, mm-hmm. and she sort of does the whole, I can't do the voice, but it's that very nasally kind of voice, a lot of it was laughter. And every time she came on, I heard laughter, even in some very kind of like quite delicate moving scenes do you not think that the characters of Carol Thatcher and Dennis Thatcher they are a bit clowny perhaps well again I think that there was perhaps a a clowny aspect to uh, Thatcher's life and times Um, she was a figure who verged on the ludicrous at times uh, and yet there was uh, a strength and an iron there as well um, in the case of, of Dennis and, and Carol, um, perhaps there was less steel uh, in, in their backbones. So, therefore, it's kind of how we've always seen them, really. I mean, right back through the 1980s. I mean, Carol came into her kind of heyday a little later. Um, but Dennis was always seen uh, as this sort of bumbling oaf um, at her side. And finally, how do you think British audiences will react to this when it goes on general release? It's going to be it's going to be very very interesting, and it's it's perhaps a case of testing the limits of nostalgia. That obviously the past looks less charged, less scary, less threatening. Um, the more we view it in the the rearview mirror, and um, there may we may well have reached the point where the Thatcher era is now so far behind us that we can look back at it with a weird kind of fondness. I mean, I'm interested mm. to, to, to know what someone like my mum will think of this film, who never voted for Thatcher, um, who was you know, a single parent in a, <clears throat> in a council house, and so really represented everything that Thatcher had kind of overweening contempt for. Um, my fear is that my mum will watch this film and think, actually, you know, she wasn't so bad. At least, you know, she was, she was feisty. She was strong. Um, and that's how history gets written, I guess. Uh, popular history isn't so much in the, the preserve of historians, it's the preserve of filmmakers. And, and this is maybe the first draft of what will become um, widespread received wisdom history on Thatcher. And is that quite bad then, do you think, for um, younger generations, especially now, those of us who can't remember or weren't even alive mm. when these things happened, especially as a good... Um, 
there was a lot of discussion afterwards about people saying that well, that was a 110-minute Conservative Party broadcast talks of recession, we need budget cuts, we need that kind of things, and then we see all the sort of the street parties and the flags and everyone cheering things like that. Do you think that PR-wise is very good for the government? It's, it's a superb um, PR job, this film. Um, if if there's an upside to all this, and I think, the, you know, looking for the silver lining here... Um, there was a time during Thatcherism where people were, were, were genuinely thinking this is the country ruined and wrecked for good and the underclass are going to go completely under. Um, there's going to be no compassion. Um, we're heading for oblivion. Um, we didn't. We made it. We got out. We're still here. Uh, history is now repeating itself a little bit. Um, you know, unemployment's rising. The, the banks have been deregulated and the financial market's gone crazy and you know, manufacturing base has gone through the floor. All of that. Um, we're still living with the legacy, but we survived. And because of that, maybe in certain quarters of people who were vehemently opposed to Thatcher at the time, there might even be a kind of, if not forgiveness, then a certain reconciliation. Finally, as a film, how do you think it sort of sums up as a, as, a, as a piece of film? As a piece of filmmaking, it is a tour de force by Meryl Streep, and I think almost deliberately so. It's almost that they, they got Meryl Streep in place, uh, they cleared everybody to the sidelines, whether that be the rest of the cabinet or the, the rest of the country, and then they lit the touch paper and let Meryl do her thing. And she is brilliant in it, um, but the film is riddled and honeycombed with all kinds of problems. Zan Brooks, Associate Editor of The Guardian. Thank you very much. Thank you. The headlines once again before we go. It's been announced this morning that UK unemployment has reached a 17-year high of 2.64 million in the three months to October. The number of people who are out of work rose by 128,000 in the period, while youth unemployment, which covers 16 to 24-year-olds, has hit its highest level since 1992. The German Chancellor Angela Merkel has told German MPs that the UK will remain a strong EU partner despite its decision not to sign up to an EU summit deal. Addressing the Bundestag, she said that she very much regretted that UK Prime Minister David Cameron had been unable to join us on the path to fiscal union. Police in Belgium have found the body of a woman in the shed belonging to Nordine Amrani, a gunman who went on a rampage in the centre of Liege on Tuesday. He launched his attack with guns and hand grenades in a busy marketplace, killing himself and three others. The ex-News of the World editor says the full force of the law should be used against anyone who acted in an illegal way at the paper. Colin Myler told the Leveson Inquiry into media ethics he did not recognise a witness account of hacking phones and defrauding expenses. And finally, a parliamentary committee on Tuesday published a sequence of emails which raised questions about the story News Corporation's James Murdoch told to House of Commons legislators about what he knew about phone hacking allegations involving the now defunct News of the World and when he knew it. That's all from us here. If you want to get in contact, you can go to our website, it's kclradio.co.uk, or you can tweet me at LukeJones03. That's it for us this year, but we'll be back in the new year with a new programme.